You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Did you just love our creative team? They're absolutely amazing. Um, I think you get the picture there. Um, but a couple of things I wanted to highlight on there. Uh, number one, uh, I am so excited to have Chris Garnett stepping into this position. I've turned to Chris many times in prayer, and I just got to say this, that um, if you struggle with asking people for prayer, that really is something, a hurdle that you need to overcome because Jesus himself asks people to pray for him. And so this church, this vision was caught in prayer. It was birthed in prayer, and we're going to be moving forward in prayer. So if, if you have the gift of prayer, if that's something that's burning on the inside of you, and even if like, you're like, I want to step into this, I want to learn about this, I want to grow, I would highly encourage you to connect with Chris and to join this team. So as you send in prayer requests through our social media or through a text message or even fill out these cards, we have a team of believers that are going to be praying and rending the heavens on your behalf. And let me tell you something, when all ish hits the fan. You want to know that you can text somebody that's going to take this to, to the war room of prayer and is going to pray and intercede on your behalf. You don't want any positive vibes right there, okay? You don't want any likes on your, your social media posts. You want somebody that's really going to war after you and pray. And so that's what we're developing here. That's the culture we want to uh, have here. And so I highly encourage you to connect with Chris afterwards. Also, growth track. I think I shared this last week, but it's just an opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about the culture of a church, the vision of the church, uh, the inner workings of the church, how you can get plugged into uh, the church and join our dream team. So immediately after service in the theater that's adjacent to this one, um, you're going to be sitting down with yours truly for another 45 minutes, if you can stand me talking for another 45 minutes, where it's going to be a little bit different. And uh, I'm going to be sharing with you, uh, we have snacks, and uh, we'll get you out of here, I promise, 45 minutes after that. And then uh, you'll have one more where you'll take a giftings test, and then we'll have one more where we'll lay hands on you and officially pray you uh, into the church. So if the Lord's been stirring on your heart, there's no time like the uh, present. Also, I want to commend all of you uh, for the journey of fasting. It certainly is not easy. I was telling the team this morning that um, the fried chicken that they sell in gas stations has never smelled so good. I mean, I walk in and out of that gas station, but man, I've been just lingering in there a little bit longer, like the lust of the smell, and I'm like, I got to wake myself up and come back. Um, but I also want to say this, if, if you're started out fasting and you kind of you kind of messed up on Tuesday and you're like I'll oh, just throw in the towel get back on the train and allow the Lord to direct you into what to fast because God is at work he's doing something behind the scenes prayer and fasting is something that the Lord committed himself to while he walked the earth and it's all throughout scripture and the reality is that fasting and prayer it changes things and the purpose of our fast is never to twist the arm of God as if we could. Is <laughs> never to twist the arm of God or to go on a hunger strike like a little spoiled 16-year-old. But it's rather to align our hearts with God. It's to seek first the kingdom of God. And because God is a rewarder, he says all of these things will be added unto you. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
And so we're searching after the heart of God for our marriage, for our finances, for our careers, for our relationships. And that word search, I remember the very first sermon I ever preached, like there's searching and then there's man searching. And if you need a definition of man searching, I'll just give you a quick one here. It's when you ask your wife, hey, where's the, you know, the pliers? And they're like, they're in the junk drawer. And you look and you're like, they're not here. And then she comes over and she goes, they're right there. And you're like, I swear something moved or, but it's called like man searching because your wife always knows where everything's at, but you look at it and it's like, you can't find it. But when you're searching, you're really seeking after something. Okay. And so let this be a 21 day consecration where we are beginning our year by seeking after the Lord. And because we're seeking after the Lord, he's passionate about aligning us with our purpose because he gave it to us. So all of those things with our career and with our marriage and our relationship, they're going to start to come into focus as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Last thing I'll say about fasting is you can't simply just abstain from food and then sit and stare at the wall and watch the paint dry in your living rooms. I've tried it. It's not going to do you any good. And so you have to take that time and you have to seek after God. If you typically listen to 105 TUS, the mountain of pure rock and roll, put it on Christian, okay, and start listening to worship. If you're typically reading the Twilight series, put it on pause, maybe forever, and start reading your Bible, okay? But you're taking intentional steps towards the Lord in order to be able to drown out the noise of the world so that you can hear his voice. And there's also something supernatural taking place as this body is fasting together in ways that we may never see on this side of eternity. Because where there is unity, God commands his blessing. Amen? Well, how many of you ready to study the word of God? Yeah? Okay, we're going to do it. All right, so to kick things off here. How long do I have? It's already 1040. Oh my gosh. Okay, ready? Proverbs 14.12. This is out of the ESV. It says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I want you to pause. There's a way that seems favorable, seems good, seems beneficial, feels right, but in the end, it leads to death. You know what that tells me? The road to hell looks pretty darn good. Which is why we cannot simply rely on our natural senses. How many times over the course of your life at school, at your job, have you heard somebody say, ah, it didn't felt right, this feels right, seems good, didn't seem right, right? We might have used those same words ourselves. In fact, I know that I have a proclivity towards using that word feel even when I hear the Lord tell me something or when my wife tells me something or when I know that I'm supposed to do something, I interject it because it's just become a part of my vocabulary where I say, I feel like I need to start getting in shape. I feel like I need to start doing this. It's this word feels. And do you know how many, and so it, it, it sets us up 
for failure because we know that the road that leads to death feels right and seems right, feels good and seems good. So we cannot rely on what seems and what feels, right? Think about when you feel something. Remember that old game where they put something in a bag and you have to put your hand in it and you have to feel and guess what it is, right? And you're just, you're, just, you're like, Ugh. first of all, you're kind of scared because you don't know what you're touching. And then you're just, you're just spouting off guesses. But your eyesight will clearly tell you what it is. And many of us go through life with a blinder on like Brandon in that video. We can all laugh at that. But many of us are going through life trying to feel our way into the person we're going to marry, which don't take that too far, but trying to feel our way into our career instead of using God's eyes to be able to see the doors that he's opening for us instead of going through this life with a blindfold. On the other side of that coin, do you know how many times I've heard somebody say, it didn't feel right, didn't seem good. I was going to start fasting, but I, I, just didn't, I just didn't feel it, and I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I was going to go to church, but, you know, I just didn't have, I just didn't feel it, so I didn't do it. We do not live our lives by our feelings, but rather by truth and our convictions. We're not willy-nillying our way around trying to feel and hopefully getting to the end because we know that is a sure way to lead. Wide is the path that leads to hell, and there are many who find it. Narrow is the path that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So we need to make sure that we have spiritual eyes to be able to see the path that God has laid before us, or we're lumping ourselves in with everybody else that's trying to feel our way around in a room when the lights have already been turned on if we are a believer. It's pretty good. So we don't serve and we don't go to church, we don't read our Bibles, we don't fast out of emotion, but rather... We're led by our conviction. If we waited for a feeling, the day would never come. But rather, we make a choice, an, in, an individual choice to pursue after God. The Bible says this in Hebrews eleven twenty four through 25. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to call the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. How many of you know there are pleasures to sin? You know, sometimes preachers try to say, like, drugs aren't going to feel good. No, there's going to be a little bit of pleasure there. Okay, there's going to be a little bit of pleasure there. It's like that old Dave Chappelle, like drugs won't make you fly, but they might make you levitate a little bit. And I don't know, you shouldn't watch that show, but I watched it a long time ago. But anyway, it was, it was a funny skit where he was coming in, he was a drug addict, and he was basically telling him like, hey, it's all a lie, drugs won't make you fly. He goes, but they might make you levitate a little bit. But there is a pleasure to sin. There is a little bit, there's a taste that's enjoyable, that's pleasurable, but we can't rely on our natural senses because here's the thing, sin will always take you further than you want to go. You may think I'm going to have one puff of the devil's lettuce, but then you find out that, you know, you're, 
you lost all your money. So you've got to be really careful in the way that you choose. And you can't go by feelings. You can't rely on the pleasures of life to lead you and to guide you. And pleasures equal feelings. Moses chose what was right over what felt right. As a prince of Egypt, he had everything made available to him. His future was secure. He had money as much as he could possibly imagine. He had, you know, a pick of any woman that he wanted. Everything was secure. It felt right. But he knew in the conviction of his heart that this wasn't what he was created to do. That he'd be betraying the calling and the destiny that God has placed on his life. And so Moses chose what was right over what felt right. See, society, experts, the world, they're going to try to convince you to follow your feelings. If you do a quick Google search, you'll find all kinds of advice and counsel to follow your feelings. If it doesn't feel right, sister, don't do it. If it feels good, cupcake, then do it. That is really bad, bad advice because our feelings are fleeting, In fact, even our natural senses can deceive us. If you look at Genesis 3, 6, this is the very beginning of the Bible, okay? It says, when the woman, Eve, saw that the fruit was tree, the the tree, the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing, there's that word, to the eye and also desirable to her heart for gaining wisdom, She tasted and ate. So Eve, rather than relying on God's counsel to stay away from this tree, you can eat of any tree in the garden, just stay away from this one. Eve decided to rely on her feelings, on her eyesight, and on what seemed and felt right to her Heart. And as a result, sin and the fall of man entered the world. FOMO, fear of missing out. Eve was afraid that she was going to miss out on something, which is how the enemy often gets you to bite into sin. To think, to, to, to paint God, God as a provider, God as a rewarder, God sustains us. God meets every single one of his needs according to his riches and glory. And so that's what the Bible says. But the enemy will try to portray God as somebody who withholds, as somebody who takes. And that is the bait that Eve took in the garden. All of a sudden, instead of looking at every single tree and horticologists, who are people that study plants, tell us that there were probably over 2,000 trees in the Garden of Eden, okay? I don't know how they came up with that, but they're a lot smarter than I am, so I'll just take the word for it. Over 2,000 trees. But Eve wasn't fixed on 1,999 trees that she could eat from. Her eyes were fixed on the one that she couldn't. Why? Because the enemy deceived her and painted a picture of God as somebody that withholds. 
And maybe there are some of you in this room that are thinking, God is withholding this. God has shut the door on this. God doesn't want me to have this. And I just want to tell you right now that that is a lie from the enemy. Yeah, there are things that God is withholding that are going to destroy and damage your life. But God has a beautiful plan to prosper you and to give you hope. And we must fix our eyes on him and on his word so that we don't miss out on all those things that he's planned for us. See, Eve was in the garden. And as I was putting this together, I was reminded of that song from the Eagles. Ain't no way to hide those lion eyes. Right? Anybody remember the Eagles? Who doesn't like the Eagles? Come on. You guys need to get your Eagles up, okay? What's <laughs> the Eagles, man? Anyway, um, ain't no way to hide those lying eyes. Eve's eyes were deceiving her. They were lying to her. And our eyes often lie to us. Okay? They often tell us, if you don't believe that, go to the supermarket hungry. Go to the supermarket when you're fasting. You want to grab everything that you know that your body doesn't need, that you know that's not going to be good for you. But guess what? Your eyes want, want, want. And it overrides sometimes your heart. And so there ain't no way to hide these lion eyes. Our eyes are going to deceive us. Yes, in the natural that we, 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 we rely on, but in the spiritual realm, they can deceive us. And here's the thing that all of us need to come to terms with. There is nothing good for our life outside of God. The enemy might try to get your attention over here. He may try to lure you over here. He may try to lust you over here. He may try to tempt you over here, but we must hold to the conviction that there is nothing good for our lives outside of God. So if it is not inside God's will, it is not for us. If it is not in God's word, it is not for us. Even though it may look good to eat, it may feel good, it may seem right, we don't live by our feelings and even our natural sight. We're led by, rather by truth and our convictions. In fact, Adolf Hitler said this, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. So many times, even my children, as they begin to world, learn about world history, they ask me this question, and it's a question I've even asked myself. How could this happen? We're getting ready to celebrate Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. And my beautiful little boy Isaiah is like, Dad, how could that happen? How could human beings be told not to drink from a certain water fountain or told not to go to a certain school? It's the enemy that deceives us and leads us and it's so important that we have our convictions according to God's word. And if we listen to these lies, even, I'm just going to be honest, they even come from our television sets over and over and over. And if you have godly discernment, you can begin to feel narratives that are trying to be imparted to you. And I don't care if it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC, all of it is problematic. I don't care if it's the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, all of it is problematic. Because we are kingdom people. We are sojourners on this earth. My allegiance is to God. Not to a political affiliation. 
And there are narratives that are being repeated over and over and over that are trying to impregnate your heart to change the way that you view the word. And you must be diligent to be in the word so that you can recognize the counterfeit from the real. John 8, 4, 4 says, 8.44 says this, You are of your father, the devil. He's speaking to Peter. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him, when he lies, speaking of Satan, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is going to do everything within his power, and he is really good at this. And any lie has just enough truth in it to get you to swallow the bait, or it wouldn't be a good lie. Paul says we are not to be ignorant of his schemes. Okay, I believe in a big God, little devil, but we're not to be ignorant of the way he's going to come at us. So we have to make sure that we are vigilant, that we are alert when the enemy tries to whisper in our ear. Or when he shouts it from a megaphone, we can say, I know there is a popular consensus behind this ideology and way of thinking, but this does not align with my Christian values and convictions. This does not align with the truth that is lined out in the Bible. And if you think that it's blurry now, Fast forward 10 years, mark my words, it's going to be a whole lot more blurry in our world, which is why it's so important that we hold to God's word so that we can be lamp bearers, image bearers, pointing people in the right direction. See, this is essentially Satan's playbook. I'll give you a little bit of a breakdown. Number one, did God really say? This is what he said to Eve. Did God really say that? Now you're working off memory, unless you go back to his word. So he's going to deny God's word. Number two, you're not going to die. Deny God's judgment. That's no big deal. Have a couple of vapes, have a couple of puffs off the magic dragon. You know, no big deal, right? Sin will always take you further than you want to go. You will be like God deny God's authority. That's what the devil tried to do to Jesus when he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And that's what we're tempted to do. We try to take our matters into our own hands instead of trusting what the Bible has laid out. Instead of trusting God in an area of our finances, we bust out our credit card. Instead of really praying, and I mean really praying and seeking after the Lord for a miracle to, to bring the provision Instead, we just bust out our credit card. We take matters into our own hands. That is a way of usurping God from the lordship of our lives and becoming little L, lord of our own lives, and taking care of the situation. And eventually, if you continue down that road, you'll find yourself, how did I get here? You just took one step off, like Dorothy in the, in the yellow brick road. You take one step off and you're completely lost. See, Proverbs 10.9 says this in the ESV, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Whoever walks in truth, another translation says, walks securely. But he who makes his ways crooked 
will be found out. He who makes his ways, who chooses to go off the path, who chooses to give in to temptation, who chooses to rely on their natural sight, who chooses to rely on what feels right and what seems good and which is fleeting in the moment. You find yourself veering off the path. See, Acts 28 says this, for this people's hearts have, has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. The seeing and the, and the hearing, it's been compromised. The seeing has been shut. The hearing has been dulled. You can kind of just hear muffle like Charlie Brown's Teacher, want, 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 want. So now you're kind of relying, you're back to that place, what feels right. I'm going to kind of find my way through this. But where does it all begin? Our hearts grow dull. So if our eyes are blinded and our healing, our hearing is, is blocked up, it's coming from our heart. What are we feeding our hearts? What are we putting into our hearts? What are we allowing our hearts to grab hold of? Proverbs 20 verse 12 says this, The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. It is God is the one that gives us sight and gives us hearing in these areas. Hebrews 5.14 says this, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant, if there's that word food, it just can't get away from it, keeps following me. So, and it's got to be solid food. It can't be like liquid. You know, it's got to be like solid food, like dangling it. Okay, there's a price, man. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So as we feed on God's word, Paul was literally rebuking a church that he had been to before that had just kind of like, are just running through the motions, just wrote. Hey, we'll sing a few worship songs. You know, we'll pray a little bit. We're going to go into his word. But they're not going deeper. And they can't discern good from evil. And the reason that they can't discern good from evil is their hearts have gotten darkened. And the reason that their hearts have gotten darkened is because they're not feeding on God's word, which is transforming them from the inside out. David said, I have hid your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. And so we have a responsibility to feed on his word, to renew our minds because there's been so much sewage and sludge that has been pumped into your brain ever since you have been a little kid. And so the word washes our mind, it washes our thoughts, it renews our mind so that we come to the place where we have the mind of Christ and we can discern good from evil. But if you go through the motions, if you're not feeding on God's word, you're going to be dulled and your eyesight's going to be, it's going to be blurry. You're going to look ahead and it looks blurry and then you're going to look behind to get your bearings and it looks blurry. And then you're going to be disoriented. So then you're really going to concentrate on what you hear, but it's going to be like Charlie Brown. So then you're going to be like, I can't really hear either. So then what do you do? You start going through life like this. 
Okay, this feels good. And then you're angry and upset with God when you're not where you feel like you should be. And that might be a righteous conviction, but it's not his fault. It's ours. And I'm not trying to heap condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but there is conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He opens us up. He shows us things that are standing in the way of us in him, standing in the way of us becoming who he destined us to be so that he can uproot those things. And so we do have a responsibility. There is a cost. We don't want to look like the world. We don't want the world to say, well, you do everything I do. You say everything I say. You look at everything I look at. You watch everything I watch. You listen to everything I listen to. You're really no different than me. Then what do we have to offer them? A grace that's strong enough to save us from the flames of hell, but not quite strong enough to save us from the bondage and lust of sin in this life. No. God's grace sets our feet on solid ground. It takes us way further than we're capable of in the natural. Whatever lies have been spoken over you, while you're a drinker, you're always going to have a proclivity towards alcohol, or you're not that smart. You know, when none of us ever went to college, you're going to learn to work with your hands. It is a lie from the pit of hell. God can take you so much further. In fact, the area that you're the weakness is often the area that God will pour his grace in to let people know that it's not you and it's him because God doesn't share his glory with any man. And when you begin to take strides in that area, you know better than anyone. So pride can't enter your heart that it's not you because you're terribly deficient in this area. His power works best in your weakness. It works best. That means his power can work in your strength and your giftings and the ones that get all the attention of men, but they actually work work best in the areas that you tried to hide from everybody. I don't want to public speak. I don't want to write. I'm a terrible writer. I don't I don't want to sing. I'm not really that good at singing. Okay? If you, if you sense that the Lord is asking you to step into that, that's where his power is going to work best. Paul said, I boast in my weakness because it's boasting in him. I'm starting to get lit up now, okay? Um, Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What did we sing at the beginning? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to to see you. Our eyes and our ears, the gateway is our heart. And the only one that can open that is God. And the only one that can initially take those steps is us. And as James 4, 8 says, if we draw near to God, he is going to draw near to us. Psalm 119, 18 says this, open my eyes. Again, crying out to the Lord, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. There are wonderful things in the word of God. There are things that are going to save you so much time if you simply get the revelation of God's word inside of your heart. 
You're going to have the discernment into what doors to walk through and what doors to stay away from. You're going to have the wisdom and how to steward your finances. You don't even have to go through Dave Ramsey, which is good, but I'm telling you that the Lord will give you a steady download of how to grow in your area of stewardship. If you're a teacher, if you're a dentist, if you're a plumber, if you're an electrician, whatever you do, if you work with your mind or you work with your hands or you work with your heart, you're an artist, okay? God is going to lead you and show you how to flourish because God wants you flourishing in your area of stewardship so that you can point people to God. Because when you're in a specific field and you see somebody excelling, it's just natural to say, how are you doing it? How do you do it? I'll go to a seminar. I'll read the book. I'll watch the video. How are you doing it? And when you have the opportunity to say, can I let you in a little secret? I'm actually super busted in this area but I go to the Lord and I read the Bible and God gives me these ideas and God shows me these paintings before I ever paint them. And God shows me what the problem is before. I was in a situation that was an extremely tense situation and I didn't know what to do. And you know, my knee jerk reaction, the way that I'm wired was to, to try to talk my way through it. And I, I, I heard this, the Holy Spirit tell me to, to go about it a different way, to not use my mouth. And as a result of not opening my mouth and speaking in that particular situation, I saved myself so much heartache and so much grief. And it wasn't me because I'm not smart enough. I wanted to say something, but I just shut that pie hole of mine and I allowed the Lord to do what he was doing. And I'm so thankful that I did. And it made me come out of the situation looking like a genius, but I was not. I was a scared little boy in that situation that wanted a knee-jerk reaction to what my strengths were. And instead I heard, because I had a sensitivity, I heard the Holy Spirit and I shut my mouth. And as a result, the situation worked out favorable on my behalf and unfavorable on the behalf of the person that was attacking me. Does that make sense? Number two, no one can see these wonderful things that that the writer of Psalms is telling us about without supernatural help. It's God that opens our eyes. It's God that gives us the insight into his word. So many people tell me they start reading God's word and they're like, I don't really understand it. Just stick at it. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. I had a weak moment. I'm going to go ahead and share with you, okay? So, because we're fasting, right? And um, when you fast, obviously your, your flesh, your body's going to rage against the machine and it's like, give me some food, right? So I've kind of been a little on edge and, you know, Jess and I got to fight the other day just over like some stupid stuff. Like Jess is always talking to me when she's in the shower or washing dishes, but like, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to walk the other way. And then she gets mad at me because I didn't respond to her, but I didn't know she was talking because she's in the shower. And so it's this whole thing. And it's like, anyway, we just got like, we're heated. It's Saturday morning. We're wearing our like clothes that you slept in, you know, so you're all like sweaty and you're hungry and we're just like snapping at each other. And finally we had to go, okay, wait a minute, like, what the heck are we, are we fighting, right? And so it was, it, was, um, it was just a product of the fasting. There's a cost and there's a price. And so we said, okay, look, we're not upset with each other. And so I'm feeling weak. So I'm setting up this morning. I'm setting up one of the signs. And I'm just kind of like feeling pity party, kind of feeling sorry for myself, kind of like, man, I don't know how much longer. Just kind of going through the motion. I'm just being real. These thoughts are coming into my mind. And you may not be able to control the thoughts that are coming in your mind, but you can control whether you give a mental real estate or not. And so in that moment, I felt weak. I started going through this like Rolodex of 
reasons I should feel sorry for myself. And I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, you're exactly where I want you to be. And God wants you in this broken, weak place because that's where you can hear the voice of God. It's his strength. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by his spirit, says the Lord. And I know one of the biggest challenges of of my life is relying on my skill sets, relying on my education, relying on my giftings. And it can be a stumbling block. See, what the world preaches and teaches you to show your strengths and hide your weaknesses like this, the gospel is actually the complete opposite. God looks at those strengths and said, yeah, I gave those to you, so it's really not even yours anyway. But show me your weaknesses. Have the faith and the humility to give me these things because there's a cost to that. You're going to get the attention on this. You're going to, you have the potential to get puffed up on pride with this. And I gave them to you and I'm going to bless them and I'm going to prosper them. But do you dare to have the courage to come to me with your brokenness and your ugliness and your insecurities and your failures and your weakness and your inability and give that to me? Do you have the faith that dares to fail? And when you do that, there's this beautiful exchange. God takes those worries and those fears and those anxieties of times that you, you had to discover that you suck in that area where people go, ha, ha, and you're like, I'm never singing again. I'm never singing. So, right? Because there's a, there's a stigma often attached to our weaknesses, which is why we kind of bury them and we focus in on our strengths. But God is saying, man, if you have the courage, I'll take all that fear and I'll exchange it with my grace, and I'll move in and through you. And let me tell you something. When the power of God is moving in and through your life, you don't want anything to do with sin. You don't want anything to do with the world, because that feeling is greater than any pleasure, momentary pleasure that sin has to offer you. And when you begin to realize that the enemy really is a liar, you begin to get a righteous anger and a conviction that you don't ever want to entertain his lies. And in fact, you begin to give him a high five when he comes to you and tries to whisper in your ear because you know that he is incapable of telling the truth, which is what scripture tells us. And you just give him a high five and you say, thank you that I know that the opposite of what you're saying is true. That I shouldn't throw in the towel, that I am on the brink of reaping my harvest. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here and I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to end in this. This is Acts. Did I read this? Nope. Okay. Acts 28, Acts 26, 18 through 19 says this. I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God forgives you. He takes out all the ish and gets rid of it. He says the sin is as far as the east is the west. He's like, I can't even remember that. Let it go, your past. He says, I have an inheritance for you. I got a lot of stuff I want to give you. I got a ton of stuff. I'm royalty. I'm a king. 
I don't just own cattle, I own the hills. I own everything that your eyes can see and your ears can hear. And I have an inheritance for you that I want to give you. And he says, you are sanctified. Meaning that I'm ridding you of the desire for the things of this world as you pursue me so that you can step into the fullness of what I intended. Next week, we're going to talk about the Word of God and what it does in our life. How it's a lamp unto our feet that prevents us from getting off the path, that strengthens us, that convicts us, that divides our thoughts and our feelings so that we know that we're standing in the right place at the right time for the right reason. But I want you to close your eyes and I want to pray over you. If there's anybody in this room that says, Matt, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. You've talked about hearing him. I want to be able to hear his voice for myself. I want to be able to discern a lie from the truth. I want to walk into that inheritance. I want to be set free from this addiction in this bondage where I'm glued to my laptop, going to places that I shouldn't be going. Can God truly take that away? And the answer is yes. Yes, he can. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And say you might be saved and say, eh, 50-50 shot, magic eight ball, shake. It says you will be saved. He died a public death for each and every single one of us. He was unrecognizable as a human being. Persecuted, pierced, whipped, mocked, beaten for us so that we could be free from the power of sin and that he could align us with the destiny and calling that he placed on our lives. And most importantly, that we could be forever connected with him. I want to give you the opportunity today to invite him into your heart and I want to lead you in a prayer. So if that's you in this room and you say, I want to walk out of this theater knowing that I have a relationship with my creator, I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Thank you. Greatest decision that you can make requires so much humility. When all is said and done and you span over every moment of your life, you're going to see that this was the moment, the distinguishing moment that separated you from everything else, that aligned you with your purpose and with your eternal reward, and most importantly, with your Creator. So I'm going to have everybody pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my sin before you. I repent of my wickedness. Lord, I elevate your word above what I see, feel, and experience. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. And now I want to pray over you. Dear Heavenly Father, you see the sincerity of the hearts of the hands that were raised. And I am asking that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear and that you would touch their heart 
invade their thoughts in such a way that no devil, demon, or anybody on this earth would be able to convince them otherwise that they have a secure relationship with you. That you would shed abroad your love inside of their hearts. Father, I pray for discernment, for conviction to be sharp, and for men and women to step into their rightful inheritance. Everyone under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.